Welcome to the driver's line. I'm Greg and I'm Jordan and today we've got a conversation and today's conversation is all about cars that were sales successes but maybe they shouldn't have been. Yeah these are cars that really were not good cars <laughs> but they sold a lot or you know and as far as a lot goes we're going to go ahead and put the bottom of that threshold at about 100,000 sales. Yeah. But so the first one we're talking about actually sold 3.1 million. Pretty insane. Yes very good sales for something <laughs> that was it was a hot sale success. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly set the uh, sales charts on fire. It did. The problem is it also set some of its customers on fire. <laughs> so, of course, we're talking about the Ford Pinto. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it is a Ford Pinto, debuting 1971. Yep, it was became known as a barbecue that seats four. It's famously <laughs> known for exploding gas tanks when involved in a rearing collision. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, I mean, you know, Ford needed a competitor when it came to the import market. I mean, they were just eating their lunch, dinner, and breakfast yeah, the next right. day. Yep. So, um, yeah, they introduced that Pinto. because comes out with 50-odd horsepower. Oh. Um, but can be had up to 103. So, oh, 103. <laughs> Zip right along in your Ford Pinto. Until you blow up. Until yeah. you blow up. Um, but that's so. only if someone runs into you. Right. So and that never happens. This is, you know, obviously not one of Ford's prouder moments because right. they did a lot of internal research and debate with their lawyers yeah. <laughs> on doing cost-benefit analysis for probably saying, hey, what will it cost for us to fix these cars mm. versus what is it going to cost us to litigate this after someone dies? Yeah. What do you think it costs to fix each car? Oh, I'm sure it was very, very expensive. $11. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is that when you sell this many... Yeah. It would have cost a lot. That's true. So let's just kill people instead. Yeah, so that's exactly that's unfortunately that's the decision they that's made crazy. until they revised the design enough um, to go ahead and fix the gas tank issue. Yeah. I mean, uh, oddly enough, though, the chairman, Henry Ford II, owned one and yeah. drove around one every day. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, he had a great life insurance policy. So. <laughs> Maybe either that or his wife wanted him dead. She's like, here, sweetie, I got you a new pinto. <laughs> He drives behind her in her Lincoln, Lincoln Town car. <laughs> so uh, when those debuted, I mean, they're pretty affordable. I mean, when you when you take their their cost and convert it to today, I'm not sure why Henry Ford chose it because it would cost fourteen thousand dollars yeah. in today's money. Which I mean, that's certainly much cheaper than anything you see out now. Oh, but considering the quality of the vehicle, yeah, it makes sense. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so stay away from those Pintos. Yeah, stay away from the Pintos, and <laughs> there's a lot of them. <clears throat> there are. Well, probably not that nope, many anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> ashes, ashes, dust, dust, dust. dust so. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, next on our list is another domestic vehicle that has sold many, many copies. Uh, we're talking about 1.6 million of them. Yep. And that's the Chevy Citation. Yeah, the 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 known as the GMX bodies, right? Mm -hmm. These were front wheel drive. Um, again, another effort to try to compete against the import market, which mm -hmm. you know they saw coming very, very strongly. Lots of customers flooding to Honda and Toyota, um, and so GM's like, "Hey, we got to come up with something." So of course they made one with all the different versions of their brands because they love badge engineering, especially back then. Oh, yeah. But we're just going to talk about the Citation right now, for sure. Now, Citation stands for something that is outstanding in its field, a wonderful example of a product. So clearly. That this, was a naming error. <laughs> naming error. This deserves no citations. Um, yeah. Actually got Motor Trend Car of the Year 1980. Yeah. We know that that is clearly a symbol of excellence. <laughs> I know. You know, Car and Driver actually came back later and said that 
That was one of the biggest mistakes of the award ever. <laughs> so when you have a rival magazine publication saying, yeah, that was really a bad call. But in Motor Trend's defense and in a lot of those early reviewers' defenses, GM actually sent ringers. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. GM sent ringers to all these publications for a review. Wow. So one of the biggest issues with the citation was torque steer. Mm -hmm. It was a terribly torque steery car. It just, you know, they didn't understand front-wheel drive that well at that point. So. Yeah, that's the Chevy's first front-wheel drive car. And, you know, they just had a lot of issues trying to make that work properly. Yeah. And so they sent versions that had special steering racks and suspension design that wasn't available to the public. <laughs> And Imagine so doing that nowadays. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there were so many reviewers that had issues with these cars when they were new. It was kind of like the, the, the Blazer EV now. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, just reviewer yeah. after reviewer having lots of issues, pieces falling off, you know, just really, really poor build quality. And not to mention, the second you drove it off the lot, it started rusting. Yeah, it started rusting. <laughs> Huge rust issues with those. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the rear brakes would lock up under hard braking, which would then cause you to spin out and have an accident. But all of this can be had at the low, low price in 2024 dollars. Of $22,000. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not a good that's value. super expensive, but still not it's worth not it. Not a good value. Not <laughs> it's a good still value. Not worth it. Yeah. I think that's enough about the citation. Yeah, let's give that a rest. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about a Ford again. Mm -hmm. And this is the Ford Aspire. Oh, we aspire to own it, don't we? Yeah, we do not aspire to own this oh. car. We aspire not to own it. We aspire to do better so we don't have to have a Ford Aspire. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> thinking back a little further beyond. Before the Aspire was the Ford Festiva, which actually was a good little runabout car for what it was. You know, it wasn't going to you know set any land speed records. It wasn't going to do anything like that. Right. But reliable car, mm -hmm. well built. Um, Ford actually co-built it with Mazda. Uh, for the second generation, for some reason, Ford decided to kick Mazda out because it was <laughs> too good. And they're like, hey, we're going to build this with Kia. Yeah. So think about Kia in the early 90s. I mean, stellar build quality, very yep. reliable, oh, yeah. excellent performance. Yeah, great design. Yeah. No, none of those things. <laughs> Actually, none of those things. And so the Aspire was exactly that type of product. Yeah. Terrible build quality, mm -hmm. you know, terrible to drive, bad handling, poor power. Everything was wrong with it. But they were so cute. They were just little cute things. I mean, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I'm, just, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around why yeah. someone would buy one. This is the blob. I mean, it just was not a great cohesive. It just was yeah. not an attractive car. But sold plenty. It apparently. sold plenty, yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Oh, man. We aspire to that. We aspire <laughs> to move on. Yes, we do. <laughs> so let's move on to something maybe a bit more aspirational. Ooh. Why not? Uh, let's move on to a luxury bland. A luxury bland? <laughs> Excuse me. Well, maybe that's just a little bit of foreshadowing maybe for the type is. of car we're talking about. <laughs> for sure. So in the 90s, uh, Cadillac realized... We're kind of in trouble here because we got lots of big, comfy lamin yachts, but we got nothing to compete with the imports. So uh, they decided the best way to do that was not to look in their own <laughs> system and, and develop something from the ground up, mm -hmm. tailored to the needs of the market. No, let's just import an Opal yes. <laughs> Omega <laughs> and slap a caddy badge on it. And we're going to make that Opal worse. Exactly. Because we have to tailor it to the Cadillac clientele. <laughs> So, you know, Cadillac was in there, they saw BMW doing so well with the 3 Series, saw Mercedes doing so well with the C-Class, Audi doing so well with the A4, They're like, man, we want a piece of that. <laughs> but, we need to go ahead and add all the sound editing, because this is what our, our, our Cadillac customers want. We gotta do some chassis reinforcement. So they added, I think it was 400 pounds to the car. Whew. And coming out of a 3-liter V6 that produces 200 whole horsepower. Yes. And guess what it made in the Opal? 
220. So they actually detuned it down to 200. What are we doing? So they wanted less horsepower and more weight. So what do you think that did for the caddy that zigs? The Katera, the wonderful Katera, the caddy that zigs. Probably didn't zig so it well. It didn't zig. No? No. <laughs> no. And the clientele that they were trying to attract with this car, which was going to be the youthful folks that right. bought 3 Series, C-Class, A4s. Mm -hmm. You make your marketing the caddy that zigs? <laughs> that sounds like the jitterbug phone. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> it's fair point. It's a fair point. It was terribly marketing <laughs> yeah, for, the, for the, the, the folks that you're wanting to actually target with. For sure, yeah. Oh. And, then, and then you talk about the price. Yes. How much price. it cost when it ent entered the market. So way back when in 96, it was sub 30,000. But <laughs> when you convert that to our dollars here today, an entry-level Cadillac Katera would have cost you over $57,000. For a rebadged Opal with more weight and less horsepower. I mean. It's terrible. It's a bar of soap, guys. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> so... Yeah. Unbelievably, they sold 95,000 of these, wow. which again is slightly under our 100,000 threshold, but we thought it close enough to yeah, go ahead and include yeah. here. Yeah, there's probably some 5,000 missing in the counting somewhere. <laughs> we don't want to talk about these extra. But either way, they sold nearly 100,000 of these things rolling around. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, so if you see them on the market, uh, probably stay away because it's probably leaking some brake fluid somewhere. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, next up after that wonderful Katera. <laughs> We're going to move over to our friends at Stellantis, and we're going to start off with Jeep. And the first generation Jeep Compass was a terrible vehicle. <laughs> it was in every way, shape, and form. But somehow, Jeep managed to ship 375,000 of these. 375,000 people in rental companies thought <laughs> this yeah. was a good vehicle to purchase. It's just unbelievable. It boggles my mind. You know, the, the days uh, when the Compass came out, it, oh, it seemed so bizarre to me because at the same time, they had the Patriot. Yes. Same vehicle, just different body styling. I mean, I would say the Patriot's more attractive because it had that Cherokee-esque look to it. Right. So why take something, split it in two different products? You're taking your buyers and giving them two options instead of just focusing on one. Right. And then make it ugly. Yes. <laughs> it was hideous. Hideous. It was the worst Jeep design. <laughs> Probably ever. Like, I can't think of one that's worse. If, if I'm honest, it was a finalist to be in your Nightmare Garage when we went back to that episode. <laughs> oh, God. That would have been worse than anything you gave me. <laughs> Sorry. It's even worse than that CVT transmission yes. that was in it. Oh, God. The Jacko. <laughs> they did it. And it was really unreliable, too. Yeah. This was an early CVT, oh, so yeah. known for braking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, just, and, and just unbelievably slow. Wheezy engine. Loud. Plastic, fantastic interior. Oh I mean, gosh, this is when you, you know it. Dodge yeah. and Jeep were known for their Rubbermaid interiors. Yeah, it was a terrible era for, oh, for Jeep. It was uh, so bad. It was <laughs> it really so was. bad. So just to give you an idea, like when those came out, if we kind of converted the prices to today's money, you could get a Honda HRV for cheaper. Unbelievable. For cheaper. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I, I went on Reddit and I'm going to. I went on Reddit, and I'm going to have to pick up my notes here because I want to read this verbatim. <laughs> okay. So, someone on Reddit said, should I buy a Jeep Compass? Here's First a... reply said, dear God, no. <laughs> Second reply, worst Jeep ever made. I mean, they're not wrong. I no. can't think of one that would be worse. They aren't wrong. I mean, it's just the absolute worst. And it, the fact they sold 375000 still boggles me. I yeah. cannot believe it. It's also... I, you're, 
you're speaking the truth though. It's got to be mostly rental car companies because at that time the market was pretty suppressed. Yep. So I mean, unless people were just truly desperate to get into a Jeep product, I can't see why else you would buy one. No. Yeah. Mm. Ugh. Terrible. I feel sick just talking about it. Honestly, <laughs> it was so bad. It really was. <laughs> so stay, staying in the Stellantis realm, yes, we have a couple of other offerings. One of which being the wonderful, fantastic Chrysler Sebring. Mm-hmm. Yes, and <laughs> yes, this is the the variant of the Sebring that looked like a turtle. Um, had that really hunched back. Yeah. It was a very unattractive vehicle. Yeah, that latest version was just really repulsive. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, they, they, they even like try to ref- you know, try to freshen it up a little right. bit, and it still it's just did not work. It was kind of like with the Compass. They put that more Jeep-looking nose on the Compass, and that didn't help matters that much. No, it didn't. Uh, it looked clunky, um, was not a performer, nope. not reliable, uh, didn't have a great interior. Nope. I mean, there's not really a reason to buy one. No, there's, there's absolutely no reason yeah. unless it's just the only thing you can afford. Which, yeah. I mean, if it's the only thing you can afford, I, I still think there's better options out there. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely. No doubt. Yeah. And picking on Dodge some more, we've got a couple more. <laughs> From that era. It's a tough era <laughs> for, a tough for Dodge era. and Chrysler. Yeah. They, they, I mean, their cars were just so extremely low quality. And, and so the last two we're going to mention mm-hmm. are the Dodge Nitro and the Dodge Caliber. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Caliber's tough for me, because it does have that cool SRT4. Variant. Yeah, but that was such a step down from the Neon SRT4. <laughs> it's true, it's it true. It was slower, it was, <laughs> it was less attractive, it was less nimble, it was less uh, poor handling. Yeah, it, it could have been a cool package. It could have, have been. a little yeah, hot hatch absolutely. from Dodge, but they just did not execute it well. No, they executed it so poorly, and I wanted to read a quote from Consumer Reports for you. Oh boy. Now, I'm not a huge Consumer Reports fan, so yeah. me to bring this forward to <laughs> how bad it is. So, Consumer Reports said, the engine is noisy, fit and finish are subpar, handling is lackluster, engines lack punch, and fuel economy is not impressive. I'm trying to think of anything that's possibly good about it, and there's not. No, there's, there's nothing. Not. No redeeming qualities. <laughs> Literally none. Oh yeah. And I mean, same for the Dodge Nitro. I mean, yes, like it's, it's you know lacks lacks any real off road capability with all its suspension modifications that yeah. were done. To it. <laughs> that was the truth about cars. <laughs> said when they reviewed the Dodge Nitro, they said the interior is as rental grade as the exterior of a Ford Taurus. Ooh, <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mind the way they looked necessarily on the outside. But they they kind of had an yeah. interesting kind of like. Um, you know, sort of like muscular, like yeah, look on the outside. Yeah. It was kind of different yeah. and like yeah, you know, sort of transformers ish a little bit, but didn't meet the looks of it at all. Its performance, yeah, no, the performance yeah. was bad. And you know, it, it shared its platform with the Jeep Liberty, yeah. which was a much better product. Yeah, I mean, it had a nicer interior. Mm-hmm. You know, had the Jeep name, right? A um, little yeah. bit nicer, a little interior. more off-road capable. Yeah. So, yeah, so definitely, definitely not a bright spot in. Uh, the Stellantis history there, oh, no. <laughs> for so, sure. Yeah, there's a reason none of these cars exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. But at one point, someone thought it was a good idea. So yes, uh, let's true. learn from our mistakes, please. Yes. <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed our list of terrible cars that definitely shouldn't have sold as well as they did. Yep. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us on The Driver's Line. If you enjoyed this content, please like and subscribe to make sure you don't miss a thing.